<laughs> Good morning, everybody. <laughs> Ready for the Super Bowl? Yeah, okay. All right, good. Somebody asked me who I was cheering for you know, the other day, and I was like, listen, man, I, I, it's divided in my house, you know. Um, a lot of my uh, children um, want to, who are all sick today, so, you know, I know a lot of people. Let's just actually start with that. I know you have family and friends who are sick right now. It's just been spreading, hasn't it? It's been like a wildfire. So why don't we just pray for everybody um, right now who's sick. Father, we thank you um, so much for your um, goodness to us, but also your healing power. Um, Jesus, we said that um, we come into agreement with your word that says that by your stripes on the cross, we are healed. And God, we're asking that you would stretch out your hand and heal. Father, uh, family members, friends, um, coworkers, those who aren't with us this morning, um, we pray that you would raise them up in your strength, raise them up in health, um, that they might love you and serve you wholeheartedly in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so, um, yeah, it's divided in my house because, uh, you know, several of them are obviously going for the Falcons. Anybody going for the Dirty Birds? Okay, all right. And, uh, like, there is some resistance in my house towards the uh, Patriots. Um, my son, my, second, my firstborn son, uh, his name's Emmett Justice, and uh, he has that justice theme about him, and he's all about, no, the Patriots are cheaters, so I'm not going <laughs> to stand for that. But I'm just like, listen, dude, I don't know anything about the Falcons, so I'm going for the Patriots, all right? So here, any Patriots fans in here? Right. Okay. All right. All right. I hear you. I hear you. All right. All right. Well, 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 well. <laughs> the thing we're going to cover today in the message is uh, it's going to be called Super Bowl Sunday and lessons that we can learn from this present Super Bowl. And the whole title of the message is going to be called Be the First. Be the first. The reason why is because, obviously, um, as we're going into uh, this month, we have a convergence of not only the Super Bowl, um, but also it's Black History Month. And so, um, you know, hope you get to learn some things about uh, the uh, contributions that African Americans have made to our country um, throughout history over the course of this month and um, celebrate some of the things that even men and women of God have done to advance the purposes of God uh, here in the country. Um, but be the first. Be the first is obviously a good theme because. Uh, they're going to be, try to be the first, right? Does anybody know what's significant about uh, this particular Super Bowl? Tom Brady's going to try to be the first to do what? Five rings, right, five rings. If you don't, if, okay, if you don't care about the, listen, if you don't care about football, you can leave now, okay, because I know the message today is going to weave in and out you know, of that, but we're going to talk about be the first. Now, how we're going to do this, um, in celebration, we're going to combine the two. Um, I saw a great um, movie with Cole over the course of the um, past weekend, um, uh, celebration of Black History Month. Um, it was actually called Hidden Figures. Has anyone seen that movie yet? Okay, powerful, right? It's a um, powerful movie um, talking about not only um, African Americans, um, but also women's rights and um, how women have contributed um, to society and helped build society in ways that history hasn't always recorded and acknowledged. Um, but it was talking about how um, our women have uh, contributed uh, even to the NASA space program and a lot of the uh, launches and uh, things have, that have gone on in the area. So um, what I want to do is I want to start with a video today, and then we're going to jump immediately from the video into uh, me a message that is coming from the Apostle Paul, but mostly Jesus, talking about the things that we can be look in the kingdom of God to be the first in. So here's this um, a clip from that movie, Hidden Figures. <laughs> I'm 
I'm going to start by acting it out for you. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. It's like, it's like, you good? Okay. While we're waiting, let me also um, just say um, that for those of you who are looking for um, the community groups to be a part of, uh, many of us have heard about the apologetics uh, community group that Tegan's going to be leading, and it actually begins next Sunday uh, from 1.30 to 2.30 um, after the service, and the apologetics group again is once again a reason for me to be quiet, but <laughs> the apologetics group is giving a defense for the faith, okay? Actually knowing why you believe. First Peter 3.15 um, says, always be ready to give a reason for the hope that you have, um, but do it with gentleness and respect. And so they're going to be going for 10 weeks through um, an apologetic study that helps you to give a defense for your faith and the reasons um, that you believe. And it will actually be held at Oscar and Kartika's restaurant, which is um, called um, 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 Rickshaw Republic, right there down on Lincoln Avenue. And so get some uh, good apologetics and then also stay after for some good food because they'll open the restaurant after that. But you don't get that as part of the Bible study. I'm just putting that out there. Okay, so video. Cool, Mrs. Jackson. Yes, Your Honor, I'm aware of that. Virginia, still a segregated state. Your Honor, you of all people should understand the importance of being first. How's that, Mrs. Jackson? Well, you were the first in your family to serve in the armed forces, U.S. Navy, the first to attend university. What's the point? I plan on being an engineer at NASA, but I can't do that without taking them classes at that all-white high school. And I can't change the color of my skin. So I have no choice but to be the first, which I can't do without you, sir. Your Honor, out of all the cases you're going to hear today, which one is going to matter 100 years from now? Which one is going to make you the first? Okay. And then obviously they gave, granted her the right to um, study at that all-white high school so that she could become one of the first African-American female engineers um, in the country. And so it was exciting. So let's jump into the Bible um, today. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. This is the Apostle Paul talking. Obviously, we have an obsession in this country um, with sports. We have an obsession um, with uh, just uh, winning prizes, you know I mean, that we can uh, attribute uh, to men and women um, who have excelled in their particular fields. Um, but even at the time of Paul the Apostle, he's writing to a newfound church, and he actually says this. He says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it, speaking about life before Jesus and the kingdom of God. He said, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified for the prize. So whenever we um, look at what uh, Paul was talking about here, he was talking about obviously winning a prize in Christ Jesus. Jesus in his life, his sinless life, his miracles, his death, burial, and resurrection, he obviously won the ultimate prize of righteousness for us, right? He, because of his sinless life and his attributes being attributed 
gifted to us through the exchange he made for us on the cross, he gave us what we need to stand before God blamelessly. And ultimately, the prize has already, in effect, been won because of what Jesus has done for us. But after that exchange has been made with a Christian, and he says, when a Christian says, I've trusted you, Jesus, I've put my trust in all that you've been and all that you are and all that you've done for me, then there's a life or there's a race to be run um, run that we need to follow God in. And so today we're going to see where Paul got that inspiration about running this race as if to win the prize, running this race as if to be first, but not first in the way that the world thinks of it, but first in the way that God thinks of it. And let me also say that this is a first Sunday too for one other thing. I know I'm bouncing all over the place today, but there's so much good going on. Emily and Mike Hands are now engaged too. First Sunday for them. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so I'm telling you, it's in the water. So you are going to get some love here. And what we're going to talk about from Jesus is this, that we're going to want to be the first to be full of integrity, the first the first to be generous, the first to seek the kingdom of God, and the first to serve. Okay, it's completely different than what the world thinks, but we want to turn our eyes and our attention to what Jesus says so that we can actually live in the upside-down kingdom as we have it. So first of all, the first to be full of integrity. What do you do in private will eventually make its way to the public. Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 12, verses 1 through 12. As Paul was preaching throughout the Roman world, you can imagine that he was reflecting on the stories and the messages and the teachings that had been passed down by his disciples to those in the known world so that it eventually reached his ears. And these were some of the words that Paul would have been reflecting on when he's writing to the Corinthian church. It's Jesus and he's talking to the crowd. And as we talked about last week, whenever you're reading the scripture, if you're, first, if, if you're really beginning to read your Bible for the first time, we've got to understand that it's an ongoing script, right? The way that we read it many times today is by chapter and verse. And a lot of times it breaks it up into topics. But if you're going to read the train of thought that Jesus set out for us, you got to read it separate than the chapters and verses, right? And you got to allow it to just flow and go through the whole message as he laid it out. And this, in this chapter of Luke chapter 12, can show us the train of thought that Jesus was on whenever he was um, speaking about being the first. So the first is to be the first to be full of integrity. Luke chapter 12, verses 1 through 12 says this, in the meantime, when so many thousands of the people had gathered together that they were trampling one another, around Jesus' ministry, he began to say to his disciples, first, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he was, has killed, <clears throat> sorry, after he is killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And not one of them is forgotten before God. Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are more val- of more value than many sparrows. And I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. 
And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. So the first thing that um, Paul's referring to and he's thinking about it as he's going through Jesus' message, we see that we're reading and studying the scripture ourselves, is that Jesus wants us to be first, to be people full of integrity. We want to ask the question, will your life be marked by an identification with and a love for Jesus? What we do in the dark, I'll say it again, will ultimately come out. You think about the preparation for the Super Bowl, you think about all the athletes had to do over the course of a lifetime. And it does not matter what happens today. What they do today will be a product of all that happened years and years and years before. All of the practice, all of the preparation, all of the weightlifting, all of the dietary rules, everything that they ingested, everything that they prepared for, it will come out today as a result of everything they did in the private place. Now, many of you, I know, love ESPN as I do, but the thing about it is, is that it does, it shows you the highlights of the games, but it does doesn't show you the preparation that it takes to get there. And oftentimes we want to celebrate what happened in the public, but we don't want to acknowledge what it took in the private to actually make a man or a woman a champion, right? And in the same way, what we see is that Jesus in his kingdom, he's more concerned about the inside, what's going on inside than what's going on outside, right? He always says that it's the kingdom of God is within you and that what's in you will ultimately come out of you. That's why it's important that you're ingesting the word of God. You're ingesting the things of God over and over again because ultimately what you put into your heart is gonna come out of the overflow of even your mouth, right? And so we see that Jesus is also talking about the fact that it does not matter how you try to present yourself in the public. It will ultimately be shouted from the rooftops. And this is the thing thing that should fill us with the good fear of the Lord, it will be shouted from the rooftops who you actually are in the private place, right? Who you actually are in secret. We want to be men and women of integrity who not only worship God and come before him and honor him in a place like this, but we want to be people who God knows are full of integrity, full of love for him, full of self-discipline and righteousness in the private place that it might spill over in the public. Now, what we see here is that he's saying that you've got to be, (laughs) you've got to, if you're a Christian, be aware of the fact that the temptation as a religious person is going to be to do the opposite, right? It's going to be your temptation as a religious person to know the right things to say, to know your catechism, to have been confirmed, to go through all the motions, to know how to respond to people, even in religious terms, whenever they ask you questions about Jesus, your faith, or the things of God. But Jesus is saying, don't be like the hypocrites and don't be filled with their leaven, which is hypocrisy, right? And hypocrisy is simply being one thing or, or faking. The word literally in the Greek means to feign or to act as if you're one thing before people, but actually with integrity be something else behind closed doors. And Jesus is saying, don't be filled with the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy, but instead 
live such a life that you would actually be pleased if everything that you did, if you were actually had a life and it was being presented on ESPN on game day, that you would be pleased for everyone to see it at the end of the day because it was being shown to the entire world. Part of what um, is so important, I'm sure, to uh, Tom Brady as he's um, going for number five is not just the history-making record of actually being the only Super Bowl quarterback to win five Super Bowls, right? But it's also he's got to overcome a stigma right now. He's got to overcome a stigma. Anybody know what that stigma is? He had to deal with what's called deflate gate. Okay, not Watergate, but deflate gate. Anybody know what I'm talking about there? Okay, where they were caught cheating, right? Like, or, or at least they were accused of cheating and like uh, decreasing the pressure in the football so it would become easier to catch on the field. And he was accused. He was almost not allowed to play, right? It had to go through a court case, but he's trying to redeem his reputation. He's trying to redeem, you know what I mean, who he is in the public eye. Because you do not want to be the type of person, or especially an athlete, you know, who lives with an asterisk by your name. I remember back in the day whenever we were watching the home run records, you know what I mean, that were being set. Does anybody remember back in the day with, uh, it was a time with Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire, you know, and even if you're from Detroit, big old Cecil Fielder. Anybody remember that? Okay, that's fine. Okay, so they were playing baseball and they were like cranking out home runs like they were just in a derby or something. I mean, they strike out a lot, but at the same time, it's sort of like, like pitchers were afraid to face certain athletes, right? Because they were all juicy up on steroids and like performance enhancing drugs. I remember even Barry Bonds, you know what I mean? He said, anybody remember Barry Bonds when he first entered the league? Bro, he was a stick. He, he was a, like this, right? He was fast. He was getting all these stolen base records and everything like that. And then years later, He's like, he didn't have a neck, right? Something was different. And so what we see is that we see that there is always now an asterisk by certain players' names, right? You might have all of these records, but how did you get there? You might have all of these accomplishments that are attached to your name, but did you do it with integrity? Did you do it clean? Did you do it in such a way that it could be honored before people? And in our case, did we live such a life that we're not just escaping through the fires of hell because Jesus saved us, but that there's actually a reward that we have to look forward to from the Father because we lived a life of integrity here on earth? Jesus is looking for men and women of integrity who say, not only should you believe the right things, but in the private place, you need to be those who identify with me and honor me. Jesus said that it's not just enough that you believe the right things too. He also says he wants us to ask the question, what will your legacy be? What will you be known for? Because in the case of the disciples that Jesus was speaking to, he was letting them know that over the course of their lifetime, in the midst of the Roman Empire, there was going to be persecution coming to the Christians, right? And regardless of what you think about the state of affairs in our present um, Western situation, persecution, he said, in one form or another, if you're trying to live a godly life, will come. And he's saying, ultimately, what will you be known for in the midst of persecution when you're trying to live righteously and be identified with Jesus? Jesus is saying, if you're going to live a life of integrity, you need to be marked by me. When somebody looks at you, can they see Jesus or at least have the smell, the aroma of Jesus coming off of your life? 
Have you identified with him enough that when somebody's looking for and trying to understand the gospel, trying to understand the cross and the resurrection of Christ from the dead, that there is an eternal life, that this world isn't all that there is, and there's more to live for than just money, wealth, power, and fame? Can they look to you and say that Jesus has actually invested into your life in such a way that you've acknowledged him and you can show the way to him? This is what he's saying. He's saying people will eventually bring you before courts. They'll bring you before trials. And he's saying, if you acknowledge me before men, then I'll acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. But if you deny me before men, keep this in mind, I'll also deny you before my Father in heaven. I will deny you before my Father in heaven. There is no politically correct spirit within the kingdom of God. So many people are trying to fit in and trying to be part of the crowd, not realizing that Jesus said, I want you to be in the world, but not of it. I want you to be different. I want you to actually come out from among them and be separate so that you might in fact lead them. But you've got to have an integrity in your heart to say whether, uh, whether or not I'm with my church folks, whether or not I'm with those who believe, I'm going to identify with Jesus, acknowledge him, and be identified by him by the world. That's the truth of the matter. If you were not aware of the fact that I was a married man, just because my kids are sick and my family's not here today, you need to know I'm a married man. Isn't that the truth? Even outside of outside of being with them physically, there's something that marks me and acknowledges my wife regardless of who I'm with. Amen? And so many people slipping and dipping. I think like uh, we have whole websites that are dedicated to things like, what is it called? Like Ashley Madison and things like that in our current culture that are encouraging a lack of integrity, that are encouraging a lack of fidelity towards people and one another. And I'm telling you, if I couldn't acknowledge my wife, regardless of who I'm with, you better believe she wouldn't want to acknowledge me in the private place. Right? If I'm ashamed of her in public, you better believe that she's going to be ashamed of me when it's time to be just us, she and I. And it's the same way with Jesus Christ. He's like, acknowledge me before men, and I'll acknowledge you on that judgment day before my Father in heaven. Be men and women of integrity. Be the same no matter where you are, who you're with, or what you're doing. Nothing is worth losing your identification with the king. Be the first to be a man and woman of integrity. Paul was obviously thinking about this whenever he was writing to the Corinthians. But we go on down in that same set of scripture. We're just reading through Luke chapter 12. We also need to be the first to seek the kingdom of God. And the question is, will you be able to say that your priorities were in right order? That your priorities were in right order. Luke chapter 12, verses 22 through 34. He said this, Jesus continuing to speak. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you so anxious about the rest? 
Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink. And everybody said, huh? Nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things. And your father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that do not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus is tapping on our priorities and what we put first in our lives. What are our first pursuits? Now, Jesus is obviously always talking in superlatives. He's always making extreme statements, right? He's always talking about things like this. If you want to be my disciple, you've got to hate your mother, father, brother, sister, your wife and children. Yes, even your own life, because if you don't do that, then you can't be my disciple. Now, obviously, is Jesus talking and saying that I want you to actually hate your mother, father, brother, sister, wife, and children? The answer is unequivocally no but he's saying in comparison to me i want your love for me to um, 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 love for me to so overshadow your love for anybody or anything else that it seems like hate in comparison and in the same way, he's saying, I want you, obviously, to work your job. I want you to be diligent. That's, that's what Proverbs is full of, right? Diligent hands will rule, right? He says the desires of the diligent will be fully satisfied. He's always talking about industry. That's where the Judeo-Christian work ethic came, up, came from that largely built a nation like ours, right? But we see at the same time, he's saying, yes, I want you to be industrious, but in comparison, I want you to seek first what you're marked with first, when you wake up in the morning, what your eyes and attention turn to first are my kingdom, my kingdom and my righteousness. I want you to have the first priorities right. Even though in the gospel of Luke, he says that I want you to seek the um, kingdom. In the gospel of Matthew, he actually says it this way, seek First, don't just seek it, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the things that you know that the father knows you need. Food, shelter, clothing. Come on, students, a degree, right? All of these things. He said, I've got you, and I'll be happy to add it to you. Why? Because my heart towards you is that of a father. And it's the father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. But it's your father's good pleasure to give you all of these things when you do things in right order. I think that it's, uh, uh, you know, even as a father of four right now, I talk uh, to my kids all the time about what I'm happy to give them, right? But I'm not happy to give them anything if they're going to like grow up, like the Jamaicans used to say, uh, like a lazy oatmeal wart, right? You can't be lazy. You've got to get three and four jobs. Anyway, the point is you've got to work, right? It's like you've got to put forth some effort. You've got to contribute. My little girl, I mean, we're teaching our kids about industry right now. Our kids have like little dog walking jobs in the um, like neighborhood. That's right. They started their own Roth IRA because they get paid. That's right. They get paid. And the thing is, is that <clears throat> they're like my older two have that going. 
But then my youngest, my daughter, she like was doing some chores. She takes the clothes to the hamper in the house. And she asked that just like her older siblings, could she get paid like them? And I was like, yes, you get to eat. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's how you get paid. Right? There's certain things that we do just because you belong to the family. Right? And the first thing that you need to do is you need to contribute to the well-doings of the family, and then you can worry about getting paid on the outside, right? Isn't that the truth? It's like I want them to have the right character, right perspective. And so God's like, listen, yes, do I care about giving you all these things as a father, but yes, I also care about your character that's being formed in you, and I want the kingdom first. I want your priorities right. So that in all of your academics, all of your per, uh, pursuits, all of your business, and all of your industry, you're doing it with the kingdom in mind. You want to be the first. <clears throat> you want to be the first to not only be full of integrity, but you want to be the first to seek his kingdom. You want to be first also to be generous. Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21 says this. Will your contribution, is the question here, be pleasing to God. If I'm seeking the kingdom first and my priorities are in the right order, what does it actually look like? Well, Luke 12 tells us, Jesus continuing to speak, and this is sort of inverting the way that he said it, but I think it will flow better in the way I'm communicating it. He said, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. <laughs> Jesus, I see you're a man of authority. I see people listening to you. So I'm coming to you like LegalZoom.com and divide the inheritance, you know, and make sure it goes well with me. But he said to him, man, I like it, man, who made me a judge or arbiter over you? And he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, meaning being jealous or desirous of other people's things, their possessions, what they, they have and they value, right? He's always talking about being content with what you have while achieving, okay? For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, <laughs> you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Does this sound like the American dream? <laughs> okay. But God said to him, Fool. When he's talking to himself, he's like, Man, soul. And God's like, Fool. This night, your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself or herself and is not rich toward God. So is the one, so it will go for the one who stores up for themselves but is not rich toward God. That's why in Proverbs, he's always talking about the fact that you shouldn't. Sh you shouldn't wear yourself out to get rich, right? You shouldn't wear yourself out to get rich. He's not saying don't be a good steward, 
because the Bible also says that he who gathers little by little makes it grow, right? But he says, don't wear yourself out to get rich. He said, cast but a glance of it and a little while and it's gone. Anybody, and, and it's not just talking about like the stock market crashing, right? He's, he's not talking about that, though that, you know, the trajectory of the stock market, come on, Eric, it always goes up, right? <laughs> it always goes up over the course of time. But he's talking about even things like health issues, right? Health issues. It's sort of like you could store up for a lifetime and then all of a sudden, boom, something hits and it can wipe people out, especially without insurance, right? That's why the issues are so important right now that we're dealing with on a national level, right? That people are insured and have like health care. We want to promote things like that. But Jesus is saying, hey, listen, don't mismatch your priorities so much so that you're rich in this world, whether it be materially, in opportunity, in experience, in other things, like we were talking about last week, right? It's the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things, or as Luke talks about it, or pleasures. I don't want to be so rich in pleasures because we live in an experience economy right now. Back in the day, people used to um, um, like sort of accumulate their value or their quality of life to their bank account. Nowadays, with millennials, they're um, sort of equating their quality of life to the experiences that they have, right? Has anybody ever noticed that shift? Sort of like, I, wanna, I don't want to just have things. I want to be able to experience things. And that's what Jesus, even in his foresight, was referring to. He's like, listen, don't let the desire for pleasures or other things other than the kingdom come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful in your life. And he's making it very clear here that you can be rich in all of these other things, but not rich toward God, but not rich toward God. And at the end of the day, what we want to be defined by, what we want to be first is rich toward God, right? If you're ever like actually balancing your checkbook, you want to pay certain bills first, right? Isn't that true? Okay, I hope, I hope the, okay, like your, your rent or, you know, your mortgage, you want to stay there, okay? And you can worry about some of the other lesser things later, like the vacation. That comes after, after you pay your mortgage, right? Come on, amen? amen. Okay, please, people. I know a lot of you are young and don't, like, have much experience paying bills, but amen, okay? You want to be rich in the right things first, Right? And then after that, you can give yourself to the things that would be, the Father would be happy to give you. But in the same way, you want to take a survey of your life. Have I been generous? Have I been the first to be generous in my subset so that I'm rich toward God first? Before I give my finances and my, um, you know, my energy and my time to all of these other things, can I actually, if I was to take a ledger of my life and see what I give to, because Jesus already said that where my treasure is, there my heart is also. Where is my heart? What have I become rich toward? Is it toward God and his kingdom? Or is it towards all of these other things? Because at the end of the day, God will say, I'm going to demand your life of you. You've heard many stories in the news before about people who are magnates or people who've reached the top of their metaphor, uh, metaphorical hills. And though they've accumulated so much of what the world could desire, at the end of the day, they end up perishing, right? At the very apex of things, you know, they, they get all that they hope for, all that they dream for, and then they're gone. And like Ecclesiastes says, then who gets all that you've stored up for yourself? God's saying, be rich towards me, be generous towards me, be generous towards my purposes, and then I'll take care of you. Over and over again, 
be the first to be rich toward God. I don't want to look at my ledger and listen, I have nothing wrong with Starbucks, okay? But I don't want to be rich more towards Starbucks than I am towards feeding the needy. You, you hear me? Or take, hello, taking care of the poor, right? I don't want to look at my ledger and my bank statement and say, you know, I've given more towards buying like, you know, a $6 mocha, you know I mean, every, like every other day, passing the very people who may be able to receive the love of God and receive the gospel if I just would divert some of that to them, you know, along the way. You, you hear what I'm saying? I want to be able to take a ledger of my life and give, be generous in the right way. Be rich toward God. Be the first to do that. And he also said be the first to serve. You want to stay ready, <laughs> stay ready, and leave it all on the field. Watching the Super Bowl today, listen, you better believe they're going to be talking each other up, right? If this is the last game you play, you need to leave it on the field, right? There's no more holding back. And so many of us in our Christian lives, we sort of try to have measured devotion towards God. You know what I'm talking about? Measured devotion towards God. I'll give a little energy here, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pacing myself. Not too much. Not too much devotion. I don't want to get worn out, right? Not too much devotion. I'll just give my alms, right? Give a little bit here, and I checked off my box today. Can you imagine them talking about that in the, with the Falcons or Patriots, like going into today's, into today's Super Bowl? Hey, guys, you've got to think about next season. Don't hit too hard. Okay, what we're trying to do today is avoid injuries. Okay? Nobody, don't tackle, don't run too. It's like, no, 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 today's the day to leave it all on the field, right? Today is the day to leave it on the field. Why? Because he says, listen, nobody's promised tomorrow. What you're going to do, you need to do today. What you're going to do, you need to live as if you're going to stand before Jesus and give an account for your life today. Because what he's ultimately saying is that you don't know if you will. Let's read this last part in Luke chapter 12. He says this, we want to be the first to serve. The question is, will you be ready to meet Jesus? Will you be ready to meet Jesus? At the end of the day, no matter where you're coming from, if you came in a Christian or not, will you be ready to meet Jesus? Because it said, the Bible says that it's appointed for a man and a woman to die once and then to face God in judgment where he will or she will give an account for their lives. And unless we've repented and put our trust in him to believe the good news and live a life worthy of the calling that he has on us, we're not ready to meet him, okay? Here's what he says. Luke chapter 12, verse 35, he says, stay, uh, stay dressed for action. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. And be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table and will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready. Be the first to be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour 
you do not expect. The Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And this is not talking about just his inevitable return, right? That's part of the gospel, that not only was there the first advent, we've talked about this many times before, but there's also going to be the second, the second coming of Christ, the second return of Christ, where he brings into um, um, <clears throat> restoration and redemption all things that he came to purchase through his death, burial, and resurrection from the dead. But he's also talking about your life, my life. Be ready when he comes for it, right? Just like the uh, parable of the rich fool. He's coming at an hour you do not expect. I think uh, for those of you, anyway, for those of you who like little uh, sort of pithy comments, I think it was Charlie Munger. Does anybody know who Charlie Munger is? Okay, you know, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, okay, Charlie Munger, he actually um, always said this, you know. I want to know the time and place of my death, so I'm, I'll be sure not to go there. You remember that? <laughs> okay. But we don't get that privilege, do we? We don't get that privilege. He's saying, I'm coming at an hour when you do not expect. Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? And the Lord said, who then is a faithful and wise manager whom them his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master fi- will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. And that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a, <laughs> a light beating. <laughs> Anybody ever look at Jesus this way? <laughs> All right. When I first read this, I was like, man, I'm probably going to get beat. <laughs> okay. Here's the point. He said, everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And for him to whom they trusted much, they will demand the more. You want to be the first to serve. You want to be the first to be ready. When you have an opportunity to be in the game, when you have an opportunity to be about Jesus' business and advance his kingdom, you want to be a witness, you want to, I mean, just serve. And thank God for the children's ministers or, um, you know, um, hospitality team, setup team, all of these different things. Thank God for those who are out serving the poor. Thank God for those who are in schools, you know what I mean, helping the um, disadvantaged, you know what I mean, to tutor and to help these kids get out of poverty. Like, thank God, right? Because what they're doing is they're in the game ready to serve. They're saying, I want to be counted. I want to be the first to serve so that when my master comes at an hour that I do not expect, I'm found ready. I'm found ready. And at the end of the day, what Jesus is saying is, not only do you want to be the first to be acknowledged, um, um, acknowledge him, but you want to be the first to actually be about his service, service to him. And you want to ask your, the question, how am I living my life and what is my life going toward? I don't want to just look at my life and like look at my ledger, my bank account, and see what my money went toward. I want to look at what my energy went toward, Right? Because he says this, this is the greatest command. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all of your 
That's right. Strength. With all my strength, where has my life gone? What have I been first to do? Some of you in here, you'll say to yourself, I was the first in my family to believe. I was the first in my family, not just to be a nominal Christian, but to actually be about his service. Those are all great things. Some of you will say that I was the first in my family to actually lead someone to the Lord. I was the first to take a stand for Jesus in my friendship group. I was the first person that I know to serve and make an impact in my community in Jesus' name, even though we're part of a larger story. At the end of the day, you want to be have an attitude of being the first. You're not waiting for anybody to put you in the game. You're running to it. You're running to it. Last quote from MLK. He actually said this. He said, keep feeling the need for being first because that's what our sinful nature, at least, is driven by, right? I want to be honored. I want to be commended. I want to be the first. And MLK said, hey, listen, Keep feeling the need for being first, but I want you to be the first in love. I want you to be the first in moral excellence. I want you to be the first in generosity. Strive to be the first, but you need to be the first in the things that actually please God. And when he looks at it at the end of the day, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Come and enjoy the, what? Your master's happiness. The joy of your master. At the end of the day, you want Jesus to be able to look at you and say, well done. Well done. Well done. And that's not just an attitude of heart or mind. That's not just a mental ascent. It's how you live your life. And it's why Paul charged the disciples, run in such a way as to get the prize. They're going to do it this weekend with the Super Bowl. How much more should we do it with our lives? Amen? Amen. So, number one, be the first to live in integrity. Number two, be the first to seek the kingdom. Number three, be the first to be generous. And then number four, be the first to serve. Run to it. Don't be pushed into it. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's have the worship team come.